credit. Every other week opposite the Maine Hey Hawaii podcast will bring you a short form podcast of YA talk across a wide range of topics. I'm Erica Ezefetti, and I've got some great news to share. We Need Diverse Books has launched a new site dedicated to children's and teens Indigenous literature. It's called Indigenous Reads Rising. I will link it in the show notes. I know I'm going to be on that site on the regular and I recommend you are too because it looks really good. That is a perfect segue into the theme of today, which is simply Indigenous books for Native American History Month and beyond. But before we get to them, a couple things. One, I wanted to let you know that we have paperbacks available in our TBR service, which, if you're unfamiliar, is a service in which you get your next read curated just for you based on things that you like. I'm excited that we're able to offer paperbacks now, not just because of, um, hello, they're less expensive, but also because there are some great backlist titles that our customers may have never heard of that we get to share. So make sure to sign up today to get our new paperback offerings. You can go to mytbr.co. Again, that's mytbr.co. Now we'll hear from our sponsor before we get to the books. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest-paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. So the first book I have for you is Res Ball by Byron Graves. So Res Ball is about Trey Burns' life. He is a high school student and his life is basketball. He loves it. He wants to play for his reservation. He wants to play for his brother who passed away in an accident and who he thinks about constantly. And he wants to play for himself, of course. He wants to be in the NBA. My, my guy has dreams, okay? Like he, he wants to be a baller, shot caller. Maybe not a shot caller. I just wanted to 
complete the phrase, but he wants to be a baller, okay? So he gets the chance to work on his basketball skills when his brother's former teammates offer to take Trey under their wing, but he kind of has a lot going against his dreams of getting to the NBA. There's racism he has to deal with, as well as his long-standing grief of his, from his brother, as I mentioned before. And his father doesn't really believe in him on top of all of those things. Plus, he's still trying to figure himself out and trying to fit in where he can. And he might party, like, a bit much. Just a bit. Then, then there's Kiana, who is a gamer and who Trey is falling for. Just a bit. Just a little, just a smidge. So all in all, this is a great look at indigenous teen life and life on the reservation, which is totally different from anything I've experienced. So it was interesting to read about. And I would love to see more books like it, more books about indigenous teens, indigenous male teens. I'm here for it. So again, that's Reds Ball by Byron Graves. Next up, I have Man Made Monsters by Andrea Rogers, illustrated by Jeff Edwards. I love the premise of this one, and I'm surprised I didn't hear more about when it dropped in October last year, but maybe, maybe that was just me. Maybe y'all heard about this one. So it's a collection of stories about a Cherokee family through time, like through the generations, starting in 1839 and ending in 2039. So it's not just a family saga, though, because again, the title is Man-Made Monsters, emphasis on the monsters. Okay, so what I mean by that is, So these stories start with Amma Wilson, who has to contend not only with white settlers, but also with the diseases and a supernatural presence. Like, sis is going through it. Like, one, one was enough. She's got all three. Okay. So she deals with all that. We follow her as she deals with that. And then the stories continue through the ages, focusing on new characters within the same Cherokee family. And there are monsters and ghoulies and goblins and such. So there are monsters that we in the West will be familiar with, like vampires, werewolves, zombies, etc. But there's also the real life horror that comes from colonialism that indigenous communities have experienced. There's colonialism, being displaced, as I mentioned with Amma Wilson, there's intimate partner violence, and all these other man-made terrors. And then... There are the monsters that have been inspired by Cherokee stories, like the Deer Woman and these other creatures. And of course, I always like learning about other cultures, lore and mythology and stuff. So that's partially why I really like the premise of this book and how it handles things. And the collection is given even more weight and presence, I think, with the illustrations by Jeff Edwards that include Cherokee syllabary. So that's really dope. Make sure to check out Man-Made Monsters by Andrea Rogers, illustrated by Jeff Edwards. I think you'll like it. Next up, I have To Shape a Dragon's Breath by Monikil Black Goose. So dragons are that girl right now, like thanks to a certain book series. You probably know the one, like dragons. I mean, did dragons ever really leave? Did we ever stop? liking dragons. I think we didn't. I think we just forgot that we liked them so much. Anyway, dragons are hot. And in this book, 15-year-old Atticus 
finds the first dragon's egg on her remote island in generations. I think it was like two, th- two I was about to say 2,000, not 2,200. Divide 2,000 by 10. We're doing book math today. She finds the first dragon's egg on her remote island in 200 years. And when the egg hatches, Anakis and the hatchling bond. And everyone celebrates because when there used to be more dragons on the island, they warded off storms and it made things better for everyone. And the people loved the dragons. Now Atticus is revered as a special person who has a unique relationship with a dragon and her people are here for it. They love it for her. They love it for them. But then her brother comes back to town explaining how she'll have to enroll in an English school, which if you hadn't guessed, are basically this world's English people or settlers. I mean, it's pretty, you know, it sounds English. It sounds like it pretty much. So as I said before, her people have had dragons or I should say work with dragons, not not that they're to be possessed, but they have lived alongside the dragons for centuries but the english want dragons trained in the way that they think they should be trained in their own culture right and if anakis doesn't accept that they will kill her dragon so in order to protect her dragon she goes to cooper's academy for dragons where you probably assumed and rightfully so that she is not welcome she's not welcome there and even though she has everything against her, she's determined to learn the English lessons to protect her dragon and herself and just do right by her sling, her little friend. Along the way, she meets other dragon riders who she eventually befriends, one of whom is autistic, while another is the only other girl at the school. And so, yeah, this is some hefty fantasy here. It's like 500 pages, you know? I feel like when I see a fantasy book that's like 500 pages, I'm like, oh, so you're like fantasy fantasy. Like, this is a chunky book, okay? And the lore is there. The world is built. The pages are paging. And I think this is a great start to a queer, indigenous, neurodivergent fantasy series. It's book number one. I don't know when book number two is coming out, but I'm excited for it. So, yeah. Make sure to pick up To Shape a Dragon's Breath by Monica Black Goose. And is all I have for you today. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Thanks for listening and thanks to our sponsor for making the day show possible. You can follow me on Twitter. I know y'all, I know. At Erica underscore easy underscore. Big shout out to Caitlin Brame, our audio editor, for making me sound great. Appreciate you, girl. We'll see you next week on the main podcast where I'll be joined by Tears of Price. Until next week, happy reading. Happy reading.